It's a weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. We've got some Packer news. We'll be talking about the Milwaukee Brewers as well as the NBA Finals and much more all coming up. It's the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in to the weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillas. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us. Whether you've done so on Google, Spotify, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on, appreciate you taking some time to listen to our podcast. Remember to hit the like and subscribe button. As always, today's podcast over this weekend edition, we'll talk about some Packer news. I'm not going to get too heavily into the Packers as we're in the midst of voluntary OTAs and everybody losing their mind because Aaron Rodgers isn't there. But there are a lot of other star players around the NFL that aren't with their teams during voluntary OTAs. And we're talking about guys in helmets and shorts. And sometimes I think too much gets read into it. But there is one story that we'll get to in just a second that I think is worth getting into a discussion about as it pertains to this upcoming season. We'll talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, who right now are in the midst of a four-game series with the San Diego Padres. As we put this podcast together, they have split the first two games, the Brewers winning Thursday night, the Padres winning on Friday night. We'll see how Saturday and Sunday plays out, but we'll talk about where the Brewers are at as far as getting into June right now. We're starting in to the meat of the dog days of summer. So we'll get into some Milwaukee Brewer news. We'll also talk about the NBA Finals, the NBA Draft, before wrapping it up. So let's get back to the Packers. And before we get into the story that I've been teasing here a little bit, on Wednesday we got to see the match, the uh, golf best shot tournament between Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and of course, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers hits a birdie putt on the last hole to give him and Tom Brady the win. We saw some good golf. We saw some bad golf. And I'll just say it this way. I saw three people out there having a good time. Minus one. Anybody else notice how Aaron Rodgers kind of was just off by himself? And now I know he he kind of walks to a different beat and and so forth and so on. But it just seemed like Josh Allen... Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, everybody out there having a good time. And it it appeared, and it's my own perspective on it, that Aaron Rodgers felt like he kept staying off to the side and not really being involved in what should have been a very fun event as these guys raised uh, a good chunk of money for charity. And, and you saw good shots and bad shots. As I said, it looked like any other foursome that you'll find on a golf course uh, during the summer months, especially here in the state of Wisconsin, playing some best ball and just having a good time. 
But just Aaron Rodgers just seemed aloof to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it just seemed as if he was off by himself. It looked like the competitive nature of Aaron Rodgers took over, and there's really nothing wrong with that, with the exception of if it prevents you from having some fun once in a while, eh, then then I have some question marks. But nonetheless, the match was played. Money was raised. Rodgers hits the uh, – the winning birdie putt to uh, allow he and Tom Brady to come away as the victors. So the old guard got the victory. Now, with voluntary OTAs, again, everybody in, in an uproar because Aaron Rodgers didn't show up. However, there are a lot of other stars in and around the NFL that did not report for voluntary OTAs. And you can look at the other three quarterbacks who participated in the match that weren't part of voluntary OTAs. So I don't want to read too much into that. The only thing with voluntary OTAs that I think we now have the potential of a question mark moving into the summer and then training camp is David Bakhtiari's knee. Now, David Bakhtiari is going to be probably the biggest component as far as success goes for this Green Bay Packer team moving into the 2022 season. We've talked and have heard and read stories about the receiving core with regards to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. But let's face it, if David Bakhtiari can't protect his blind side, we all know how important that left tackle position is. If he's unable to protect that blind side because he's not healthy, that then becomes the biggest question moving through training camp. So that's one person I think everybody will be keeping an eye on, and you're not going to push it. He's going to hopefully get some reps. That's what you really want to see. You're not going to see him necessarily in any preseason game. I don't think he's going to get a ton of reps during training camp, but he's going to need some. And as long as he's getting some, that gives you an indication that the knee has healed and progressed to the point that he'll be ready to play once the season begins. We already know that Matt LaFleur has taken the perspective like a lot of coaches have now, where he just doesn't play his starters in the preseason. He allows them to rest, trying to keep them as injury-free as possible. But David Bakhtiari's absence, shall we say, as far as participation in many of the drills during voluntary OTAs, still working predominantly by himself, I think offers some question marks, again, moving into the season. So coming out of voluntary OTAs, don't like to read a ton into it because, again, you got guys in shorts and helmets running routes, going through drills, and these guys are exceptional athletes. They're all going to look really good at this level going through all of those drills. The key is when the pads come on and the contact starts, does that then carry over? So be careful not to read too much. Don't allow people to get you to believe in some of the hype that comes out of voluntary OTAs, whether it's with the Green Bay Packers or any other NFL team. Once these guys start putting pads on, once these guys start experiencing contact, that's when the true evaluation begins. So we'll keep an eye on whether or not Aaron Rodgers shows up to the next mini camp coming up in June before we get to uh, camp itself. 
that will obviously be a story, and we'll see how that plays out. One other quick note, becoming more and more evident that at least through the sporting press that many believe Julio Jones will end up being a Green Bay Packer and help to solidify what is now a very young, with the exception of Sammy Watkins, receiving core. We'll see if it happens. You know, Julio Jones hasn't necessarily uh, been the threat that he was in the past, and sometimes that can be a makeup of age. You know, has Julio Jones' skill set diminished a little bit, or was it the system towards the last year or two in which he was playing in that prevented him from getting the numbers that he had early on in his career. So not only are we keeping an eye on David Bakhtiari, but take a peek once in a while at the various stories coming out regarding Julio Jones and the possibility of him becoming a Green Bay Packer by the time the Packers get ready to open camp. That's it for NFL news on this weekend. Coming up after a quick break, We'll talk about the Milwaukee Brewers who are struggling just a little bit but still finding ways to get victories and at the very least split a series as opposed to losing them. And we'll get to some Brew Crew news in just a sec. So let's talk about our beloved brew crew as we get now into the month of June and we really start getting into the dog days of summer. The Brewers at home finally after an 11-game road trip that saw them unfortunately drop that final game of the road trip to the Cubs in in walk-off fashion that they got beat by Chicago. So with that 11-game stretch down, their longest road game stretch of this season finds them again at home against the Padres. Now, on Thursday night, it was one of those games in which you could only scratch your head and figure, you know what, it's been a long road trip. They're finally at home. They weren't playing their best, but they found a way in that ninth inning to get four runs and rally to win 5-4. Now, here becomes the topic du jour, so to speak, and it's something we touched on a few podcasts ago. And I can't recall off the top of my head who actually said it, but it was part of the Brewer broadcasting team on Bally's Wisconsin talking about the fact that when a team comes home, it's not that first game at home after a long road trip that you should be concerned about. It's the second one. And there was a plethora of reasons, and won't get into all of them uh, with regards to it, but said watch the second game, not necessarily the first game as far as a letdown goes. So again, you get the big four-run inning in the ninth on Thursday to beat San Diego 5-4. But what happened on Friday plays right into that scenario as – The Brewers were no hit for seven and two-thirds and ended up losing the game seven to nothing. So they get a chance to rebound here on Saturday and trying to get back into the win column. And the one thing the Brewers have done well as of late 
if they're not winning a series, at worst, they're getting a split. So a win on Saturday at least guarantees a split, which then goes to my theory on Sundays. The Brewers, just for whatever reason, those Sunday afternoon games, whether they're at home or on the road, don't always perform seemingly at their best. So I think Saturday night becomes a huge factor in trying to make sure that you get the split with San Diego, who is playing some decent baseball right now. So we'll keep uh, an eye on that, especially, again, that Saturday game, to make sure that uh, they get the split here at home before moving forward in their schedule. The Brewers right now just two back of the Dodgers as far as the best record in the National League, sitting at 32, are they 32 and 19 or 33 and 20, somewhere around that area right now as my screen kind of blips and curdles and turns and does all kinds of things. But playing again above 500, double digits above 500 baseball going into the month of June. Now, the one thing that David Stearns has done very well is provided the Brewers and the management with Craig Council, depth on that team because injuries do happen. And we're seeing the injury list kind of uh, taking over a little bit. You know, Willie Adamas, Hunter Renfro, Luis Pedroma, Jandel Gustave, Jake Cousins, Freddie Peralta, Justin Topa, all of those guys on the IL. So with the depth, that David Stearns has provided, this team has found ways to continue to not only win, but if they go into those losing streaks, they haven't been very long. And baseball teams over the course of that marathon season will find definite points within where they'll go on losing streaks. We haven't seen the Brewers go on a significant losing streak, which again, bodes well for this team in trying to make, hopefully this year, a late postseason run. Right now, the Brewers are 12-5 and in one-run games. They've won 17 in the month of May, so give them credit for that. And one of the biggest reasons, once again, is Josh Hader. Josh Hader has made 32 of his 32 save opportunities. He hasn't blown a save since July 7th of last year. So the idea that Josh Hader you have in your bullpen who has seemingly not lost a step, a beat, uh, whatever you want to call it for a reliever, still absolutely performing well. Now, are there concerns with this Brewer team as well as things that are going right? Yeah, going right, Tyrone Taylor. He got off again to a bit of a slow start this year, but man, has he been knocking the socks off the ball. He's batting 341 as of late with five homers and 15 RBIs. Just playing some really good baseball. There's an example of the depth on this team. Question marks? Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain, for whatever reason right now, struggling a little bit to get his rhythm going offensively. And we've got a few Brewers. You know, we've talked about Christian Yelich, obviously, who has at times this season struggled hitting the ball well, but not necessarily getting on base the way we need Christian Yelich to get on base. Same thing can be said for Andrew McCutcheon, who we brought in as a free agent to help now with the National League going to the designated hitter, Andrew McCutcheon, in a bit of a slump, who was in an 0-for-32 skid until getting 
the game-winning hit on Thursday evening. So you've got players with a great deal of potential that if they can rise up to that potential will help this Brewer team make a deep run. And you've seen the likes of a Tyrone Taylor and such who have provided the depth necessary when these guys have struggled a little bit. Now, before people lose their minds, it's a long season. So, yes, they are struggling. And, yes, we've seen, for instance, someone like Christian Yelich, who the struggles seemingly have carried over again from last year. The only difference I would say in watching Christian Yelich play this year as opposed to last is that Christian Yelich looks more comfortable this year at the plate than he did last year. Christian Yelich, when he's putting a bat on the ball, though it's being hit right at somebody, is hitting the ball more consistently and with greater power than what he was doing last year. Last year, Yelich seemed to be swinging at some pitches that were out of the strike zone. He looked befuddled. He looked confused. This year, it seems as if the confidence is there. Now he just needs one of those situations where the ball just finds some gaps now and then to get that hitting percentage up. So again, Brewers, two games left against the Padres tonight as we're putting this podcast together, Saturday night, and then a Sunday afternoon affair. On the other side of this quick timeout, we've got NBA playoff news as well as some news and notes to close things out as we get through this weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast and we'll talk about the NBA in just a moment. All right, so the NBA Championship Series has begun between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Game two will take place Sunday evening, so we'll get to game two uh, in the next podcast. But going into game two, it's a 1-0 lead right now for the Boston Celtics as they took game one on the road, 120-108. to And I think the biggest surprise for me was the fact that The Golden State Warriors allowed Boston, and I say allowed Boston, to hit those seven three-pointers in the fourth quarter to go and outscore the Golden State Warriors 40-16 to and come away with that victory. Boston did not play well once again in the third quarter. It was a chance for Golden State, I thought, to put them on ice and put them away. They really didn't. And they gave Boston an opportunity. And here's why I say they gave Boston an opportunity. Did you watch the games against the Milwaukee Bucks? Did you see what Al Horford can do from beyond the arc? And what I saw in that opening game was the fact that Golden State was so focused in on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I understand that, rightfully so. But when it came time to go close out defensively, On Al Horford, they were a step or two steps late, kind of like the Milwaukee Bucks were at times in their seven-game series, and Al Horford made them pay. And you've got to do then a better job off of those screens defensively and close out quicker on Al Horford. Now, Al Horford has shown in the Bucks series 
that even contested, he can still hit those threes, but his percentage drops as opposed to when he's left wide open. And he was left wide open time and time again in game one. So you have to figure that the Golden State Warriors are going to be looking at trying to do a better job again on closing out on Al Horford. We already, as I said, know what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can do, but it has been Al Horford. Marcus Smart will show a propensity here and there of hitting shots from the perimeter, but Al Horford has been that person right now in the opening game of the championship series and at least within that Eastern Conference final to be that one person who can put Boston over the edge, so to speak, and get the win in trying to now at least get Boston into another championship. So again, game two coming up. It'll be interesting to see defensively what Steve Kerr does with the Golden State Warriors in trying to guard Al Horford a little bit closer while making sure, again, they keep an eye on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and then looking for the Golden State Warriors to have some others to find a way to get their rhythm offensively. They had their rhythm offensively in that first quarter, and I thought Golden State was going to run away with it. And what was shocking was by the end of the first quarter to actually see how close it was, the fact that Boston was right there kind of gave you an idea of how that thing was going to play out. But again, with that sluggish third quarter that Boston has had seemingly throughout the Eastern Conference Finals and the playoffs leading into the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, you just felt as if Golden State was going to have enough again to put them on ice and couldn't. So the Warriors have an opportunity to tie things up at home at one and one before going back on the road and we'll see how life plays out on Sunday evening. Before we close out this weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, I want to talk about some NBA draft news that pertains to individuals within not only Milwaukee, but within the state of Wisconsin. We'll get to that as we close things out in just a moment. All right, so as we close things out on this weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, I want to talk about the upcoming NBA draft, which will take place in a few weeks, and, and some local stars, shall we say, that are still in the mix as far as things go with uh, the NBA draft coming up. And the reason I say it that way is that this past week we've had players, college players, that have had the ability to withdraw their names not liking necessarily where their fit was going to be once the draft takes place. They'll take that extra year of college and try to build their stature, so to speak, for next year's draft. But for some players here in Wisconsin, Justin Lewis out of Marquette still projected a top 20 uh, draft pick from dependent on who you look at. I, you, I'll just say an NBA team because dependent on – what source you go with, whether it's ESPN, CBS Sports, makes no difference. Obviously, people have different opinions, but still feeling as if Justin Lewis could be a top 20 pick. One of the clear 
question marks going in again will be Patrick Baldwin Jr. Not playing a whole lot at UWM due to that ankle and foot injury, showing a lot of range in some of these pre-draft camps that are being held. Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, he's decided not to go back to college. He's going to take his chances with wherever he lands in the draft and try and build from there. And I said it before on a previous podcast, I think whoever takes Patrick Baldwin Jr. will get the steal of the draft, barring one thing, barring he can stay healthy. And that foot and ankle injury that has plagued him his freshman year of college, his senior year of high school, when it initially occurred, will be the one big question mark. I think if a team can realize that they can find a way to keep him healthy, that the training staff will be more elite than what he had in college at UWM, and they can find a way to strengthen that ankle and foot and keep him healthy. I I seriously believe that his skill set, along with the maturity that he possesses, he's going to end up being, in a couple of years, the steal of the draft. Another prospect out of the state of Wisconsin, out of Lacrosse Central from the University of Wisconsin, that's Johnny Davis. And there was an article in The Athletic in which he was working out for the Washington Wizards. And by conclusion of that workout, there are many now that feel that at number 10, Johnny Davis could find himself playing for the Washington Wizards next year. He showed a little bit of of tenacity in that workout. He showed his skill set as far as a shooter goes. Uh, There's never been a question about his maturity, both on and off the court. So look for Johnny Davis out of the University of Wisconsin to potentially be a top 10 pick. And again, this all changes but the Washington Wizards right now look to be very high on the Lacrosse Central and University of Wisconsin standout Johnny Davis. Again, the draft in a couple of weeks, but those are three names especially we're going to be keeping an eye on once we get to that point. So that'll wrap it up for the weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. Be safe, everyone, will you? Take care of one another, and we'll talk to you next week.